What a blessing that song was. Jesus, Jesus, how much you can trust him. Um, yeah, tonight I thought we'll just explore uh, the topic of heavenly blessing. It always amazes me about the love of God that he's preparing something amazing for us in heaven and why he would choose to do so. He could have destroyed man at the first sign of sin and he would have been perfectly just in doing so. But God's heart is about demonstrating his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We mess up all through life. I mess up every week. I mess up every hour. I probably mess up every minute. But God's love towards me is constant. And God has prepared heaven for people like me who are failures. Apart from the grace of God, we would have no hope. So man can stand and testify of great things they do, but in God's sight, we are all, as the Bible calls it, filthy rags. Apart from the righteousness of Christ, which covers us and makes us holy in his sight, we are nothing. So it amazes me our, our heavenly father would go through enormous detail to provide a place called heaven for us where he says he would be with us forever and we would live with him forever. And uh, the grace of God knows no bounds and I can't even commence to explain to you the depth of God's love in this regard. And uh, towards the end of the Bible and in the reading you uh, we heard, there are some wonderful thoughts about heaven. And um, I'm getting older so I know the day will come, I hope not so soon, when I will journey to heaven. And uh, I would see my dear Savior. And I'll get a chance to do something that I've been longing to do, to fall at his feet and kiss his feet. Because the love I express here, I, I you know, is inadequate. I can't love him enough. I mean, there's so many distractions that come in. And uh, Brother Andrew reminded us this morning about the promises he's given and uh, how much he is faithful to those. So I'm going to share some thoughts with you from this passage. And uh, brethren, please remember, our journey on earth is but a dot in the grand scheme of things. Heaven is forever. So the trials and the tribulations you might face here are but for a moment. It's fleeting. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Apostle Paul calls them momentary trials or fleeting. Just, just, just hang on there, he says, because the things that are coming is like massive. And that's what heaven is about. And God's prepared this place for you. 
So let me give you these thoughts. It's not going to be a very long uh, uh, message, but uh, I, I pray it will just, again, refresh in your mind some thoughts that when you go through stuff in life, what a privileged person you are because you are going to heaven. If you're born again, if you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, you, you can look forward to that glorious day uh, where there will be no more hierarchies, as it were, uh, that the world has. There'll be no rich, there'll be no poor. There'll be no dominant rulers, there'll be no poor subdued subjects. We'll all be one. And this will be marvelous to see. Uh, black and white intertwined, hand in hand. Uh, yellow and pink, if there's a pink color anywhere. But uh, yellow and pink will also be there. You know, all the colors you can think of will be there. And we'll be giving, pardon me, Brother Darrell, but we'll be hugging in heaven. Is that all right? Yeah, that's good, isn't it? So we will be hugging in heaven. And it'll be a marvelous time. So let me, let me go through these points with you, right? Heaven is a place of reunion, right? Reunion. Jesus said in John 14, verses 1 to 3, that I am going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Amen. So Jesus gave that promise. And again, uh, if you remember when Jesus promises something, he, he doesn't tell a lie. It is true. I'm going to prepare a place for you. So do you have an address in heaven? Let me hear something. Yeah, good. You do have an address in heaven. I don't know the street number and you don't know the street number as well. But when you enter heaven, you will be given a little thing saying that's your street number. And you'll be escorted by the angels to your dwelling place, right? What a day that will be <laughs> when Jesus comes and does that. It'll be a place of reunion. There'll be many mansions, the Bible says, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm coming again. So where I am, you may be also. That's the next great event we are waiting for, that Jesus is going to come again to take his own to himself. Now I want to just uh, refer you to the Old Testament. And uh, if you just flick back to the last book of the Old Testament, it should be Malachi if you've got the same Bible that I've got. But uh, Malachi chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17. Now, this chapter was uh, written to people who were robbing God of tithes, who were really living a duplicitous life. And uh, God wrote these words. But, uh, you know, it's amazing in Scripture, whenever there is defection from God, there remains a faithful remnant. There is a remnant that remains faithful to God. And this is what the prophet says about this remnant. Then they that feared the Lord. So in a community, you might have lots of people who say they are following God, but they may not be following God. They may say they are fearing God, but they are not fearing God. They are doing, because their actions would say that they are completely doing something. If you have the fear of God, you wouldn't even dare do what you do. But... Here the Bible says, but they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. Think about that. They that feared the Lord spoke often one to another. They were not isolated. They talked about what God was doing in their lives. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. 
and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord. A book of remembrance was written for them that feared the Lord. So let me ask you, is your name on that book of remembrance? Are you one of the remnant who fears the Lord? Can you say your name will be written in the book of remembrance? And they that thought upon his name. So if you want to apply to a test, do you fear the Lord? Do you think upon his name? If you can answer yes, yes, your name will be written in that book of remembrance. It's not the book of life, but it's called the book of remembrance. Now why God has a book of remembrance, you can ask him when you get to heaven because I don't have the answer to that. All right, But God will tell you why he's got the book of remembrance. And by the way, it's not because God forgets. That's another amazing thing. He chooses to forget, as you are told this morning, our sins. Isn't that something amazing? You know, it's, it's something in, human, uh, in our nature that we can't forget our own sin. How many of you remember something you did 25 years ago? Yeah, you can, can't you? Some of us can remember way back. Older folks like me can remember stuff I did long before then. And I still dread when I think about some of the things I did. But God's chosen to wipe them out. So when you say, God, but I did that, he said, what? Say that again? When did you do it? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. That's what God will say to you. God forgets. He raises it off. Permanently erased from the computer. No bringing it back. No one can hack into it. No one can bring it up and show what you've done. And that's our God. But he writes in this book of remembrance. And then verse 17 says, And they shall be mine. Who shall be mine? People whose names are written in this book of remembrance. Saith the Lord of hosts, In that day when I make up my what? My jewels. And I will spare them as a man spareth his own son and serveth him. God is making up his jewels. Sparkling jewels that he is going to bring together. I will make my jewels. What an amazing thought that every one of you are a sparkling jewel. If you've given your life to God, and you're one who thinks on God and one who fears God. Your name is written in that book of remembrance. And you're a jewel. That's what God says. I think there's a song we used to sing, you know, about the jewels being made up. And that God's going to bring his precious jewels together. And so there is the Old Testament saints, the New Testament saints who believed in Jesus on that day of rapture as it would happen, as we all get taken up together to meet the Lord in the air, these jewels will be all blended together. You can meet Father Abraham. You can meet Moses. You can meet uh, beloved Job and ask him about his trials and how he endured through them. And so heaven will be a place of magnificent reunion. Think about the loved ones who have gone before. You know, they're waiting for you. And so when you go, you will be able to again connect with your loved ones. I'm longing to see my mom and dad again. You know, I, they died when I was very young. 
and I always used to say they sacrificed much for us. And uh, I used to say to myself, you know, I'd love to give something back to my mom and dad, but I never got the opportunity. They died before I could do that. The tragedy is now I'm in a position to do something for them, but I can't. So what do I do? Not do anything? No, I find people who I can do something for. And that's the heart of God. If it's not written in the scripture, if the spirit of it is written in scripture, do it. You know, you would do it for your parents. Do it for someone in need. Help somebody in need. And God would really recognize that as, as you would do it with a heart that bleeds with the love of God. You know, if only our hearts bled with the love of God that Jesus had when he hung on that cross of Calvary. To to help others, to take the message out, to see someone in need, to see injustice. You know, one of the greatest criticisms God had towards the uh, kings of Israel was that justice was not being administered. And so God would raise up prophets to preach against them that you've been unjust and bring them into captivity to try and bring them back to God. And so we can do much in this world to show the heart of God to the people. You know, many more would come to the Lord if the church today did live like that, to show the love of God. Would you determine this week to show the love of God to somebody? You know, maybe you give 10 bucks to someone who's really struggling. Maybe that's all you can afford. Give it, God will multiply it. You know, often the problem is we think, what can 10 bucks do today? It can't do much. It can't even buy a McDonald's. The other day I went to McDonald's and it's 1090 or something. So, so 10 bucks doesn't even buy you a McDonald's anymore. Maybe a packet of chips, I don't know. But give it in God's name and let God do the multiplying. So heaven is a place of reunion. You'll meet your loved ones. You'll meet the other precious jewels. You know, uh, Hebrews uh, talks about those who are not recognized in that famous chapter of faith. It talks about specific people who, who did amazing things. And then right at the end, but it talks about those who wandered through deserts and who who were sawn asunder and who were stoned. Their names are not even mentioned. But guess what? They are precious jewels. They'll, you'll meet them. they say, hey, I'm so and so. Do you know me? I'm, I'm one of those that was spoken about in, in that chapter. And so you, heaven will be a place of reunion. You know, when you have... Uh, in America, they have what is called a Thanksgiving celebration. And in the Thanksgiving celebration, uh, it's bigger than Ben-Hur, right? Because they, they, they uh, kill about 200 turkeys for a dinner. And they invite just about everybody to come and party. Brother Charles, am I right? Amen. Yeah, amen. Why don't we have something like that in Australia? We don't know, right? But... It's a time of reunion. They all get together. They sing songs. They, 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 they talk about old times. They talk about things that have inspired them through the year. They, perhaps they talk about their swimming team, which won another 200 medals at the Olympics or something. They talk about things like that. And, uh, and it's a time of uh, refreshment from coming out from a, a battle-weary world. And they come out for a while and they talk about and they are reunited again and ready to go out. 
And so this heaven will be a time of reunion where we will get together with saints who have gone before. Secondly, heaven is a place of restoration. You know, this verse, uh, this passage says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. There are seven new things mentioned here, and I I'm, don't have time to go through all of them. But there is going to be a new heavens and a new earth. This earth, as we know it, will uh, pass away, the Bible says, with uh, fervent heat. And there will be a new earth and a new heaven. He says, behold, I make all things new. And this is amazing that God is going to make some things new. There will be new persons. There will be new relationships. There will be new purpose in heaven. Corruption will put on incorruption. 1 Corinthians 15 says, our corrupt bodies, you, you don't know what hit you. Wait till you get there. We'll put on incorruption. And, uh, you know, for us who are corrupted, we don't know what that really means. Probably Adam is the only one who knew it, who knew, had an incorruptible body, and then he messed up. Corruption will put on incorruption. Mortal will put on immortality. Amazing truths that will happen of restoration. Uh, 1 John 3 and verse 2, and I'm going to read that because that's a wonderful uh, promise again to us. 1 John chapter 3. Verse, uh, let me read verse 1 and 2. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Behold, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall be like him. What a promise that is. When we see him, we shall be like him. Like Jesus. Amazing. Sinful me, when we see him, we shall be like him. A place of complete restoration. Thirdly, it's a place of revelation. You know, one of the things in verse 3, it says in uh, Revelation 21, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, I love that adjective, great voice. It's a great voice because it speaks with authority and assurance. You know, there's no doubt in that voice. There is no falsity in that voice. There is a genuineness in that voice. You can trust that voice. A great voice that out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them and they shall be his people. He shall dwell with them and they shall be his people. You know, what's the heart cry of God all through the Old Testament. He said, I will be a God unto them and they shall be my people. Now who broke that covenant? Did God break it? Man broke it. They didn't want to be God's people. They chose to be people of the world. 
They followed after idols and idolatry of surrounding nations. When God called them to a unique relationship with them. He said, I brought you out of Egypt, carried you on eagle's wings, and brought you to myself so that I can be a God to you and you can be a people to me. So that you can reflect my glory to all these nations around us, what having a relationship with God is all about. Yet today, we are so contaminated with the world that the world cannot even distinguish us from. We are not God's people. We say the things the world says. You know, many of the conversations I hear is about, if I was, if I was blindfolded, I think I'm hearing someone from the world talking. So if I remove the blindfold, I say, oh, you said that. There is no distinctiveness in the way we are communicating with God, are communing with God, and connecting with God. But say, God says on that day, I'm going to come down. I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. You're my purchased possession. This church, this church that he died for, he shed his blood for, it's going to come down from heaven in the new Jerusalem, Having been prepared there in heaven for a period, they're going to come down and into this new earth and God himself will come down and be with his people. That's what verse 3 says. God's going to be there. And you will have this amazing relationship with God. And I think heaven would be a place where there is a, it's a place of righteousness. There is no more sin there. It talks about many, many things that will not be there in heaven. Verse 4 says, And God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. No more death, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more curse, no more night. It's amazing. Everything that we struggle with in this world will be taken away. It's a place because God is there, everything will be right. There'll be no wrong. And he has perfected his church and uh, Verse 9 says that there'll be no unbelievers, no fearful. Isn't it interesting if you cross-reference that to Malachi 3? It's those who feared God were written in the book of remembrance. And verse 9 says fearful will not enter this place. You know, so the fearful of the theme of the day, what's going on. Unbelievers, abominable, murderers, warmongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in that lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Can you see the contrast? On one side, you got all those who didn't believe in God. They are lost in eternity in a place called hell. In an eternal flame that does not get put out. But those who have accepted the Lord, the precious jewels that 
God has been collecting, the people who have put their trust in God will be with God forever, in a place of righteousness, in a place of absolute uh, perfectness where there is no more crying or death or tears. So I wonder, tonight, you, you're going through some heartaches. You know, you're pained about someone who's done something to you or said something or he, you know, whatever, you can fill in the blanks. I'm telling you, there come, there's coming a day God's going to put all that right. And you'll have a time when you just don't have any of those things that drag you down and that your relationship with God would be one which is completely perfect. The Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians in chapter 2 verse 10 says, I has not seen, neither ear heard, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. You know, God has prepared some amazing things for you, quite apart from the mansions in the sky. He's uh, prepared some things for you. And eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has prepared. It'd be a time of incredible joy. If you thought your joy here was something good, but wait till you get to heaven. Uh, you know, everything removed. You don't need to worry about the food that you're going to put on the table tomorrow. You don't need to worry about waking up at 7 o'clock or in my case sometimes at 5 o'clock and driving kids to school, fighting the traffic, yelling occasionally at those who cut in front of you <laughs> and eventually getting to school five minutes late and then having to dash to a meeting at work and then... Uh, Sister Cassie, I haven't got caught yet, but I'm a bit like you, right? But uh, a little bit late-footed at times. But um, so far, not got caught. Might get caught in heaven, huh? <laughs> no, in heaven, all the sins will be forgiven. So, <laughs> free. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, there'll be no more of that pressure. You just, in fact, I don't know. Do you, do you ever sleep in heaven? I don't think so. There's no more night, no more day. Can you imagine that? No tiredness. How many of you would love that? No tiredness. <laughs> Brother Rolf, you can play a ukulele all day and all night, right? No problem. By the way, I give a plug for him. If you want to listen to a guest artist on Saturday evening, you you must come. There's a ukulele performance, right? so uh, we 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 look forward to that. But it's a place of uh, absolute, like completely different, right, to what we are used to. Getting up in the morning, I don't know whether you brush your teeth. Anyway, let's not go there. But um, but it'd be completely like you wake up, you're with God. You look in God's face and. This incredible joy, you know, the, 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 you know something, the love he had for you when he died on Calvary would be the same love that he would look at you with. He doesn't say that, well, I've forgiven your sin now, you didn't live such a good life, so 
You know, you stand there. No, same love. Same incredible love that comes towards you. You know, your performance might not have been great here, but what you get in heaven would be more than satisfactory to you. You know, you might have messed up big time here. You'd have been saved 30 years and not brought a single one to the Lord. And I, I say that as an encouragement to you, if you haven't done that, if you haven't shared the gospel, if you haven't shared the good news with someone, please do it. Not because you're going to get a better thing, but because you'd honor God by doing that. When you get to heaven, you'll wonder, why didn't I tell about this love more? Why didn't I say about the love of Jesus? There are so many in that place burning away. They could have been here. They could have enjoyed this magnificent thing that God has prepared for us. And, uh, and you know, heaven would be, you know, at the judgment seat of Christ, the beamer throne. There'll be a time of examination for what we did after we came to know the Lord. If you only judge for our sins, but we will be judged for what we did with what we knew. And uh, I think there'll be a few tears at that throne. I think there'll be a bit of wiping away the tears there. You know, God will show all the opportunities that you had and you let it pass, you let it pass. And God said, well, you don't want it, I'll give it to so-and-so. And so-and-so would have benefited from God's amazing grace in that situation. We see through a glass darkly. But when we get to heaven, that darkness would go and the light would come. You know, someone said, you know, when you get to heaven, you'll understand all the unanswered questions that you had on earth. And in a sense, that is true. That Job will understand at last, why he did suffer. Okay, he was never told that. We know that, but he doesn't know that. I don't know how many of you have written several questions that you want to ask God when you get to heaven. How many have done that? Not many hands. You're brave. Well, I used to have a list, torn it up. You know why? Because when you get to heaven, will you be worried about all those unanswered questions? You see the glory of God, everything else vanishes away. All you'll want to do, trust me on this one, right? <coughs> Pastor Lloyd will echo my thing. When you get to heaven, all you want to do is to worship God all day. That's it. Period. Because when you confront this incredible God, who says he will come down and he'll be with us, all questions will just disappear. It will be a revelation of God himself, which will take away all questions, take away all things that you thought, oh, one day when I get to heaven, I'll know why this happened. You might eventually find out, but that will be such a small little, little thing, it won't even matter anymore. What does matter is, you know, your heart's preparation to worship God the way God intends you to worship him. Heaven is a place of reward. 1 Peter 1 and verse 7. Let me read that to you. 1 Peter 1, 7. 
If you have your Bibles, just turn there, please. 1 Peter 1, 7. Let me read 6 and 7. Peter is writing to the persecuted church, and this is what he says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than, go than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. When do your trials receive recognition from Jesus Christ? At the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's when you will found, uh, you'll be found to the praise, honor, and glory. Not your glory, but glory to God. Because you know all our suffering glorify God. And so on that day, there will be a, I believe, not on this day when the new heavens come down, but when you get to heaven, it'll be a play, time where you will be found, you'll be found, that's an interesting word, isn't it? You'll be proved, in other words, that your suffering, what you suffered, will be found unto praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You know, on this side of uh, heaven, sometimes our trials may seem wasted. A missionary who was burnt alive in India, you know, he, he, he may never have received the glory. I know the wife started a work and the work's still going on and maybe hundreds of, or thousands of Indians came to know the Lord because of that brutal killing. But on that day, you know, there'll be many who suffered who would not know why they suffered. But on that day, that will be revealed. This was the praise. This was the honor. This was the glory that you brought to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ through your suffering. And what a day that will be when you know, you could say, Lord, you know, you died for me, but through my suffering, I didn't realize that all these praise and glory and honor came to your name through my suffering. But God is a God who keeps good account. It'll be found. It'll be found. It won't be lost. It'll be found. So not one suffering that you're going through, now let me just rephrase that. Not one suffering that you go through for God's sake. You know, if you suffer foolishly, if you go and rob some money from your boss and get put in jail, that's tough luck. That's your foolishness. But if you suffer for preaching the word of God or if you suffer for taking a stand in your place of work and you get put out of work, um, I can think of several names that flash through my mind as I say that. But you'll be found on that day. You know, it's a place of reward. You know, you will not be put down. You, God will say, no, others have forgotten, but I haven't. And what matters most is what God says. Mm -hmm. 
what God thinks about your life. So live your life in a way that you say, Lord, am I bringing glory and honor to your name in everything I do? Yeah, I go through some stuff. Am I still bringing glory and honor? You know, when bad things happen to us, our initial reaction is to fight back and to do something. You know, we, we tend to take matters into our own hands. I praise God for those who just leave it in God's hands and say, Lord, I, I, I don't know why that happened, but I'm going to leave it in your hands. You're the perfect judge in this matter. And you'll find that uh, that God would recognize and say, oh, wow, look at that. The spirit of Christ is in that person. You know, uh, he, and he will honor you on that day. It will be a day of great reward. Uh, Romans said, and I don't have time to really work through all this, but uh, there is uh, those who groan uh, in their trials. There's a time of uh, glory. The apostle says that is nothing compared to the glory that shall be revealed in you. So he said, you know, you're suffering, you know, count it all joy, James says, when you fall into all diverse trials, because uh, it's going to bring something amazingly good in your life. So there, heaven is a place of reward. There is a treasure in heaven to those who serve him faithfully here. And Jesus often spoke about that. And he said, make sure that you are building treasure in heaven. where moth and rust does not corrupt. And he asked you to lay up treasures in heaven. And how do you do that? Well, the Bible is full of things that you could do to lay up treasures in heaven. Um, so, again, that's a study you can do on your own. You know, maybe you go through the scriptures and write down some things that are meaningful for you, whether it's uh, taking the gospel to someone or uh, giving of it. You know, Zacchaeus, you know his story, right? Yeah, the guy who was so keen to see Jesus because he was the richest man. Uh, he, he was probably the Bill Gates of that time because he's stolen from everybody and he was the richest guy on earth. So here's something. He was rich, so he was happy, right? Was he happy? No. So this guy, uh, he was uh, high up in society, decides to do what? He was a short man. That was his only problem, right? He was a short guy. So what did he decide to do? He... How many rich men today have you seen climbing a tree? If you saw the Prime Minister of Australia climb a tree, what would you do? Excuse me, sir, what are you doing? But he was not happy. He had all the money in the world, but he was not happy. So those of you who are chasing money, I'm telling you, you'll get to the end of that dream and you'll be the unhappiest guy in the world. Because with money is the root of all evil. What comes? Anxiety. So the greater you have, the greater your level of anxiety because you don't want to see your wealth hit by even 1%. You worry about it. The happiest people I've seen are not the richest. They are the poorest. You go to a poor man's house and he'll put before you what they are eating for dinner and man, the joy that comes out of it. And you almost say, no, 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 no. it's okay. Don't worry about it. But it's, it's their joy to serve you in that way. And their joy is uh, amazing because they just give out of their nothingness. And they, they are building up treasures in heaven because they've given everything they have. Give it all away is what one songwriter wrote it as. 
If you want more happy than your heart can hold, give it away. That's what that song says. So there are many ways that we can build treasure in heaven. So I'll let you work that out, and I think you can. Okay, we're getting to the end, okay? Uh, so you'll have rewards in heaven. So I wonder how many of you are going to get some good rewards. Um, how many of you built up sufficient uh, treasure in heaven? Now, if you're unsure about that, no point asking me because I won't be able to answer that question. You could answer that question to your, yourself. And, and you say, Lord, uh, is my life counting for you? Is there stuff happening? Now, is reward important in heaven? Uh, the, the fact of the matter is, is that we will actually lay down our crowns at his feet. So we, we will be rewarded. If you love is appearing, you'll get a crown. If you're a soul winner, you'll get a crown. And uh, so uh, the point is you don't go prancing in heaven and say, hey, you get my servant crowns. No, no, you don't do that at all. You, you lay it at his feet. right? You're doing it for God. That's why you're doing it. Uh, so what are rewards? Because you get the chance, the opportunity, the wonderful privilege of doing things for God, what he has put in your heart. So if, you're not, if your heart is not towards what God wants to do, you, you know, when Jesus walked the earth, what did he do? He had compassion and compassion and compassion. He touched people who nobody else would touch. You know, when the leper came to him, he could have just said to the leper, be healed. And do you think the leper would have got healed? Yeah. Well, why, why did he go and touch the leper? That leper hadn't been touched ever since he'd been pronounced unclean. Never had been touched. But Jesus taught them. He said, I'm going to touch you. And probably the leper took two steps back. You can't touch me because you'll be unclean. And God just touches him and heals him, restores him, and sends him back. You know, are we willing to touch people's lives the way God, so that our reward is great in heaven and we would have accomplished that for which God put us in this place for? Oh, I, I know even in my life, <laughs> when I get there, it'll be a time of unfulfilled opportunity. I would have done so much for God and I would have failed because I've, I'm married to my work and I've done so much for my work. But for God, I give a few hours on Sunday. We challenge our children as to how much time they spend on the iPhone versus how much time they read the Bible. Mom, Dad, didn't have time today. Yeah, you had six hours to watch every YouTube they could watch that their children, uh, that their friends passed across to them. But open the scriptures and read it for five minutes, no time. God's not pleased with that. And you know, you, how you get the heart of God is you read God's word. Because it's all here, right? This is God's given us his heart in this wonderful book called the Bible, written by God. So if you're shortchanging your Bible reading, I'm telling you, you'll lead a stunted life. Your, your life will be influenced by stuff out there in the world. And no, no wonder some of the stuff we do is not godly. So how do you build reward in heaven? Stay biblical. Do what God wants you to do. That's how you get reward. And, and lastly, um, 
Heaven is a place of rest and rehearsing. I love this because uh, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor, and I will give you rest. You know, whilst he wants you to work in this, while you're on this earth, he wants you to do stuff for him. When you get to heaven, it's a time of rest. The time of worshiping you. You won't have any tiredness. And uh, it'll be a time of rehearsing. You know, I'm looking forward to the stories of God's faithfulness. You know, people will be saying, you know what? When I did this and I had no money, I prayed, this happened. And someone will interrupt him and say, my story is greater than that. And there'll be stories of God's grace. And there'll be hallelujahs and there'll be praising and worshiping and there'll be a crescendo of praise to God on that day as we rehearse the faithfulness of God. And you know, it's amazing in this verse as God gives this prophecy to, uh, to John. In verse 5 he says this, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write. What an amazing thing to say almost at the end of what God was going to give us. Two more chapters. He said, write. And he said, write this thing down. It's 3,000 words. No, it wasn't 3,000 words. He says, write, for these words are what? Faithful and true. Let no man challenge these words. This is going to happen. They are faithful and they are true. I, God, have spoken. And when God says that, it's going to happen. In John 19 and verse 30, when Jesus hung on the cross and his sacrifice for our sins was fully paid, he uttered the words, it is finished. What is finished? Not that his life was finished, but the work that you have sent me to do is finished. I have paid for the sins of the whole world. Every bit of sin that is committed, to be committed and will be committed, I have paid for through my blood. It is finished. And then in verse 6, we have this commentary. And he said unto me, it is done. It is done. What is done? The church that I died for is with me. The bride is ready. I'm going to go down and live with them. It is done. The purpose of God is fulfilled. And he then says these words, I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. What I say, I will do. He that has begun a good work in you will complete it. He will bring you through. He will bring the remnant through and it is done. You're there forever. There is no more. 
is life with God after that forever. No more suffering. No more all these things that are going to happen. But you're going to be in God's presence forever. He is a God of completion. He never leaves any gaps anywhere. He brings everyone who needs to be saved is brought into his kingdom. And we are glorious. We are going to be privileged to be part of that company. To have reunion with our loved ones. And oh, I, I urge us tonight, I urge myself tonight, let us do more to bring people into this family of God. God yearns it. God died for them. God died for their sins. So would we not go and tell the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Hey, there is coming a day when there is going to be no more tears. You know, I've, I've talked to... Uh, some Buddhists and people like that who believe in reincarnation and they're dreading their date of death. For a Christian, he rejoices at his date of death. What a complete contrast because Buddhists don't know whether they'll be born a dog or a cow or whatever, right? And, and it's amazing that uh, I asked one Buddhist, how, how does a dog think itself out to become a man again? And there was no answer. And I said, you, your argument is all flawed. I, I said, you can't. Once you get to that spot, when you, you can't get back up. But thank God, in, in God's mercy, you know, you might fall seven times, but God says, get up and go. Because I've got a work for you to do. And are you willing to do that work for God? You know, would you say, God, I, I, I don't want reward for myself, but because you've done so much for me, I want to... Lord, live my life for your glory. Lord, you put me down on this earth for a purpose. How many of you want to grab that purpose? Apostle Paul said this. He said, I have not yet apprehended for which what, I have, what you have apprehended me for. God has apprehended you. He's caught you for a purpose. And are you going through life just wasting it? Or are you going to come to that day and uh, you say to God, God... I've run away. So you, you're panting as you reach that. You breast the tape. You, you're puffed out. You know, I see some guys running races today, and they're just sort of coasting along, and they finish the race. They're not even huffing and puffing. What kind of a runner are you? Get out of the road. Let someone else run the race. If you're running a race, run it so that you reach that tape and you almost fall on the ground. Brother, you know this more than I do, although you should stop running, okay, for the next three months. You've run enough. But, you, you, you know, give it your all. Don't leave anything behind. And for those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ tonight, where would you rather be? Would you be rather burning in that place? Or would you be in a place where there's no moors and in the presence of God with precious jewels, all of you joining hands and praising God and the sound, the crescendo of praise Filling God's throne. That's where I want to be. I pray that that will be your desire and heavenly blessing that God has prepared for you. Uh, so we're going to sing, bro, we're going to sing uh, What a Day That Will Be, all right? So.